This is Cult Scene's K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight. Tamar Herman. And on this episode, we're discussing Girls' Generation with our guest, first time as a guest, Scott Interante. Scott is a former co-host of K-Pop Unmuted, and we're very happy to welcome him back in light of some slightly baffling news about girls generation i i don't really know how to express this it's not it's not a surprise but it's not really clear what's going on for any listeners who are wondering what i'm rambling about three members of girls generation have left sm entertainment tiffany Young, and soyeon have not renewed their contract with their former entertainment label leaving girls generation's fate hanging yeah sm has said they're not officially disbanding I don't think SM has disbanded a group in like a decade. True. But somewhere, I'm not sure if it was from SM or from one of the members, I read somewhere that there was a possibility of a reunion, getting back together. This doesn't mean they won't record again as Girls' Generation. Yeah, I think in all the news releases that I've read, it was SM denying that they were disbanding and they'll have to consider the group's future, whatever that means. Well, so first of all, thrilled to be back even under these dire circumstances. And I don't know, it's tough to like feel any positive things about this. Obviously, we've seen over the past few years, this is like a constant drip drip of like major groups disbanding or having members leave. And like, we've done plenty of these episodes before on K-Pop Unmuted about groups that are ending. But of course, Girls' Generation is that's the biggest one. There isn't any group bigger than Girls' Generation. And the weird thing about it is that a few years ago, you would have thought that Girls' Generation maybe sort of disbanding, who knows, would be a huge shock to the system and big news. But they're kind of fading out on us, you know? Right. I mean, like, Jessica left. That was a shock, but there were still eight. They still were, you know, they had to reshoot right. the video, I guess. But... They're still recording albums and promoting like usual. You knew that the contracts had been renewed for... Three years. And so there was sort of the end was in sight and the people weren't committed beyond that. And now we have this sort of ambiguous end to that three-year Yeah, period. I mean, when Jessica left and they sort of made it a statement pretty quickly that they would continue as eight is the, uh, the phrase I use. I mean, we haven't seen a we will continue as five statement, but it's, it's possible, right? I mean, I think it's a little bit like two of the, I guess, objectively best vocalists of the group left. Right. So it's kind of hard. Like, I think I saw everyone I saw responding with questioning, okay, so what's next? But I saw a lot of people like belatedly realizing, oh, that means that TTS is done. (laughs) So that means that the only viable subunit of girls generation won't happen again at the same time part of me is like that teeny like one percent not even one percent point 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 zero 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 one percent that they still can like get the members all involved in performing is definitely not going to happen but i think that sm's vagueness was kind of leaving that open like if in a year they decide that they really have nothing better to do with their time and the other members realize there's no profitability and not being in girls generation anymore let's see what happens i i mean i think i kind of referenced this before sm entertainment doesn't disband groups because they don't want to like publicly close the end of an era if you look at their acts like 
Trax is still active. When was the last time <laughs> Trax had an album? Um, I'm just, I love Trax, but they haven't had an album, but they're still active and under the label. I honestly don't know who the last group was that SM disbanded. Like, it can't possibly be H.O.T., but part of my brain is thinking that it is. Well, let me just say, when Jessica left, that was the end of Girls' Generation. There are three essential elements of Girls' Generation that made them distinct. Taeyeon, Tiffany, and Jessica, who are not necessarily the best three singers, but they are essential to the Girls' Generation sound. And I, I mean, anytime you've got Taeyeon, you've got the makings of a good girl group. But it's not the old girls' generation. Yeah, I mean, that's how I felt when she left, too. But that next album is good, I think. It's good. It is good. It is. So, you know, I, I really liked all three of the singles, the title tracks that they put out for that. I have the party poster in my room. And I don't know. I mean, it was definitely a big deal that Jessica left. But... I was pleasantly surprised by what they did after that. And so I agree. I, I think this is the end. But if they do put out, you know, Girls' Generation with just five members and, and five kind of a, a weird choices. But I don't know. Sunny is still there. So I'd still <laughs> I'd still be into it. Um, I mean, I also think I really liked You Think from the Party album and Yuri kind of shown in that one. And I'm thinking that if they really did it well i would trust that girls generation could pull this off as a five i don't know if i've said this i've definitely said this on the podcast but i'm a big super junior fan and having watched how sms managed them post their first decade it's kind of similar and i don't necessarily think that there will be as much of there won't be as much importance placed on the songs that they're putting out, if they continue putting out as much as we're going to do this thing because we still have fans. And that's no shade to anyone. Like, I think it's really great that K-pop groups can continue past a decade nowadays, which is so weird to me still, even though it's not weird anymore, apparently. But I think Girls' Generation, you mentioned how Party was kind of like, oh, they showed that like they can still do it. But I think even Party showed the first signs of them not really knowing what they were doing anymore. Not that the songs aren't good and the album is good, but Girls' Generation, since, I feel like since, even before Jessica, I guess, okay, that's a lie, because Mr. Mr., I think, still felt very Girls' Generation to me. Yeah. It was like, after that, when, not that it, nothing didn't feel Girls' Generation, it felt like a, a more mature Girls' Generation, but they didn't really seem to know what their direction was anymore, and I really felt that with the singles of the latest album, and I didn't hate the latest album at all, like, there's a few songs I really, really like on it, and I didn't think it was a necessarily a bad album as it was panned to be but i think that girls generation like holiday i'm fun song if they had done it six years ago it would have been great it didn't feel authentically mature girls generation well i'm kind of curious because earlier i had said that there is no group bigger than girls generation you seemed to disagree with that a little bit but maybe like going back should we talk a little bit about their history and their sort of role as like a definitive girl group, whether, you know, no one bigger or not? Well, I, I mean, I pause to say like, oh, well, I think Big Bang would be bigger, but girl group, there's no yeah, question in my yeah. mind that girl's generation is the top. But I mean, it wasn't always like that. Like when they debuted, like they had a shady time in their life. Yeah. 
Girls' Generation is a very important group to me in my relationship with K-pop, and some of that relates to their debut, even though I wasn't a fan at the time. When I got into K-pop, I kind of came in through the Four Minute Door, and Four Minute is a cool band, you know? I mean, maybe from a Western perspective, sometimes they're a little off the mark, but for the most part, they're a very cool band, and you don't have to worry about what other people think about you for liking <laughs> a band like Four Minute, right? This topic is very, I guess, topical, because just as an aside, Scott, I know you just recently did a one-week, one-band project on right. the Jonas Brothers. And one of the things that you talked about was a time in your life when you were a very sophisticated music connoisseur and you, you could distinguish between quality music well, and pop right, right. garbage in the, Yeah, music. in the worst way. It's not something I'm proud of. Right. <laughs> but then at a very early age, compared to when I was learning this lesson, you embraced music that wasn't as cool to like, and and just pop culture in general, you know, iCarly, the Jonas Brothers. If you like it, if it's good, the fact that other people don't think it's cool, that shouldn't be important. And that was kind of my relationship to Girls' Generation when I first got into K-pop. I was sure that I was not a Girls' Generation fan. Yeah, <laughs> my, my impression of Girls' Generation was... I can't believe My naive and wrong, let me just say that to start with, but my impression was <laughs> this big company recruited nine, you know, absurdly attractive girls, trained them up the best they could, but really, who cares, gave them kind of lowest common denominator, pre-chewed focus group music, and just marketed the hell out of it and shoved it down everybody's throat. And that's how they got this big world-dominating band. Um, but when, it, when was this? This was... You know, 2012. So I got a boy. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, was before I got a boy. Before Because they were promoting something. Oh, the boys. It was the boys. Oh, well, you can excuse me then, maybe. If that was uh, <laughs> oh, during I the like boy. <laughs> maybe we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm just cutting you off. Continue. It's kind of a long story. I apologize for that. But I was reading the, you know, English language K-pop news sites. They were covering all their variety show appearances, and there were all kinds of clips available. And I knew they were important, so I watched some of them. And, you know, I found these girls were really likable and fun and entertaining. And I ended up watching, getting back to their debut, I watched the girls go to school sort of reality show that they did around their debut. Are you guys familiar with that at all? Yeah, I, I haven't I don't watched. think I've ever seen it, but now I kind of want to go watch. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially from the perspective of years later. Because, as you said, Tamar, it was not a sure thing when they came out. It's so interesting to see them. They're so young. They're working so hard. And just doing a dance routine for Super Junior as an opening act for like a high school show was such a huge deal to them. And the variety shows and watching that show really made me a fan of them as idols. Plus, I got to hear Into the New World like a thousand times because they were practicing it constantly and performing it on that show. But that's a pretty good song. Yeah. You know, so I just started listening to their music and I liked it. Maybe it's sort of upbeat, unironic, a lot of smiles and winks and lollipops and things, but it was good music. You know, I really became a big fan of theirs. Wow. So 
Two things. First of all, I always suggest that people watch variety shows if they are actually interested in knowing a group because it will help you become a fan. But um, you were describing how like you imagine Girls' Generation, you know, like cookie cutter from a company put together, like focus grouped. And it was kind of how I feel about, I'm going to get yelled at by someone about Japanese pop groups a little bit, like especially like AKB48, where literally they have people voting on popular members to include. And then they literally give them a song that has no connection with the group, really, aside from it being a song that sounds like something they would sing. And that's probably negative of me, but I feel like K-pop does something really well where even from the smallest companies, they kind of try to pick this image that more or less fits the personas of the idols. Not necessarily that actually their personalities, because so much of it is marketing, but I really feel like going back and listening to old girls' generation stuff, like, yeah, sure, like, I guess Red Velvet could sing it, but at the same time, it seems so innately girls' generation. Yeah, I think there's an exception that proves your rule there, which is Run Devil Run, which is a Kesha song that Kesha didn't use. Which I don't love as a Girls' Generation song, so it's funny that you said that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is it doesn't quite, I mean, it feels like a Kesha song. And I think that actually proves what you're trying to say. You know, that's the one that sort of really stands out in those early tracks. And people love Run Devil Running. That's one of the first ones that I, that I liked. I, I love it too. I love it too. But it definitely, it feels like a Kesha song, not a Girls' Generation song. You know, I think I heard Taeyeon say one time that she never likes the Girls' Generation songs. And that was the song that she liked <laughs> well, <she's laughs> when they first got quite vocal in what she... Wow. She apparently said someplace that Party's her favorite song in one of the interviews I did with them, and, and everyone rioted, because in the comment section, they were just like, really? Like, <laughs> of all the Girls' Generation songs, Taeyeon's gonna, of all the members, is gonna pick Party? That's pretty funny. Good for her, she likes Party. But um, Run Devil Run, even now, listening to it so many years later, when in my mind it's ingrained as a Girls' Generation song, it still doesn't feel Girls' Generation-y. I know people are going to disagree with me, but I feel the same way about the boys to some degree. Um, yeah. I mean, they looked great. I love those princess outfits. They're And like, oh, they're so suave. The I never really got onto the boys train because it just felt like something that didn't work for them. And when they went to Mr. Mr., I was so happy. <laughs> you don't understand how happy I was to see Mr. Mr. I was like, oh, this feels like a maturation of what their earlier stuff had been doing. And this feels like natural girls generation. Yeah, I think The Boys is a song that, I mean, I think it's awful, and I'll never forgive (laughs) Teddy Riley. (laughs) You know, they're on the David Letterman show, and what are they performing? The Boys. But I think it was an attempt to be cool, you know? Yes. I think they're not going to go on American television and sing Kissing You or something. They need to do something a little more mature and edgy and sexy and cool. Well, how about some songs that we think are most important or interesting throughout their career? I mean, they're idols, but the music is what I think all of us are primarily interested in. Tamar, what song have you chosen to discuss? So I really was quite torn over what songs to to pick, and then I ended up picking what I think is the ultimate Girls' Generation song. I won't say favorite because I love so many of their songs, but I really think that Genie is is what girls generation has always been to me i think that genie is the perfect blend of that like really catchy music that 
that they were known for with G and O and who like it has such a good hook and just the sound of the bass line, just all the, everything, all the elements of the singing, everything's really great, but it also brings this sultriness into the the vocals. So like there is this crazy catchy elements and then there's this maturity that I think is always something that especially in more recent years for girls generation was something that I think they were aiming for and sometimes landed really well and sometimes didn't is this is a group that can put out really catchy songs that are really really good and show some really great displays of vocals like I still get the chills when I hear Tan's belts at the end of Genie I'm probably like the only one I just really love I I remember watching those performances like the first time they were aired and just like Wow, girl, like I don't dance and Genie is the only song I ever tried to learn in my college dorm room. Me and my roommates friends put on heels and tried to learn it because it was just such a good like we had to. You couldn't not try to get more involved in Genie because it just is such if you say girls generation, the first thing I think of is Genie. It's so pleasantly pop and yet it's so complex in its own way. I just still think it's so much about what girls generation is i i have a question for you because i totally agree i love the song musically the choreography is amazing all like the leg dancey stuff but i feel like this song stands out to me in their catalog as like kind of a different presentation of their sexuality like it's much more kind of male gazy and like we're here to serve you sort of thing and i don't feel like i see that in really any of their other music. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. I get what you're saying, but G literally had them poised as mannequins. Yeah, that were carried but that's, around by that's a like, guy. The that's plot, like different though, right? Because that's like a, it's almost more passive. I do see what you're saying, but I, I don't know. I always felt like this was much more sexually forward than a lot of their other stuff. I mean, I think some of their other stuff, like, I don't remember every single girl's generation right, right, lyric right, right. by heart, but I'm pretty sure like Hoot's not not straightforward when it comes to right like, trying to get the boy, and this one is a little bit more subservient. And I I think lyrically, it's not necessarily what I want from Girls' Generation, right. even to this day. I still like get the like, why do you need to fulfill his fantasy? Like right, 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 right. But I musically musically the great. lyrics yeah. <laughs> DJ. Put it back on. So a song that maybe only a musicologist could love? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so the first thing I want to say is that it's crazy that none of us are talking about G. So I just want to like give a shout out because G is such a perfect song. And it's like, in my mind, like top five pop songs ever written. But like we kind of all you you all know that if you're listening to this. I mean, if you want to like pause this episode, go listen to G and then come back. Like, if you haven't listened to G, like, shape, like, please go listen to it. But I think I'm just going to pat myself on the back here. When I was doing my Billboard piece a few months ago, that was very controversial because I have 
different taste in music than most people do. Right. I put Girls' Generation's top three songs together, and essentially I literally wrote any of these three could be the top three. And the only one that we're not addressing exclusively is G, because I think G is such a good pop song, but at the end of the day, I don't... I think it is a, a song that's more transferable than Genie and the other one we're going to be talking about yeah. in a minute. Yeah. So it's just like a great pop song, it's but it's, is a it a great girls' song. generation song? Yes, it's a great girls' generation song, but is it <laughs> innately a girls' generation song? Right. I don't think so. No, but that's part of what makes it great is like... It's so good. Anyone could have done it. It's still so good. But okay. But let's as, talk about as long as we're not talking about G. <laughs> <laughs> Can Sorry. I just see what you guys have to say about this? So my my issue with G is the chorus isn't that great. Oh, oh I mean it's I G G G G. But it's the same note, the same word. I mean, sure, repetition yeah. has its place. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not a great chorus to me. Yeah, I disagree, but I don't know that we can really okay. get into okay. it. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I actually want to talk about. <laughs> is I Got a Boy. And I think it's interesting what you were saying earlier, Stephen, about Girls' Generation not being cool. Because when I was getting into K-pop, you're definitely right. I was already sort of past that, so I was down with Girls' Generation. And obviously, I love G. But when this song came out, it was like, whoa, is Girls' Generation cool? No. <laughs> it was so lame. Oh I'm so God. sorry. I like... I can never take the styling seriously because I had no what Girls' Generation has been like until then. And I still like look at I Got a Boy and cringe okay. at the styling. Yeah, the styling is a little <laughs> cringy, like faux urban, but it's like super bright colors. Correct. It's not cool. But, the, but musically, this is the coolest. It's super weird. It's like all over the place. It changes tempos multiple times. It has like different key changes. A bunch of different melodies going on. It's like on paper, something that's a total mess that shouldn't work. And yet somehow it's just like perfect. And it blows my mind every time I listen to it or usually watch it. Because if I'm going to listen to it, I might as well watch the music video. And it's still like... I feel like you're not listening to it enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe you're right. But like you were saying earlier about like getting chills at the end of Genie, I get chills start to finish on this song every time the melody changes i'm like oh my god what are they doing yeah i don't know it's just like far and away favorite girls generation song and yeah i guess it is kind of like corny and weird but it's like so weird in a perfect way and not weird in like fx does weird stuff this is like so much more grounded in like traditional pop that girls generation would do it's just like three different songs that they stitched together and it just works so well and i love it now scott was that your reaction to it the first time you heard it or did it take a little yeah. bit of time to acclimate to no, it absolutely because so i remember that this came out on january 1st and i had stayed over a friend's house for new year's eve stuff and like i knew that the new girls generation song was coming out so as soon as i woke up I, like go on my phone and i like go on youtube and look up the new girls generation song and i'm sitting there with my headphones because everyone else is asleep and i was like what the hell is going on what is this i was yeah immediately into it i love the song and i still cringe at how <laughs> weird i find aogg is like i just can't get over it yeah it's so um, good <laughs> it's so good and so corny i think it's such a great song but i still think it's corny yeah i guess you're objectively you're right 
but, but it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but musically, I was like, this is so weird. And like, to me, that's what's cool. So. Well, I have trouble keeping track of the different parts of it, Scott. But is it accurate to say that, you know, you've got these three different songs or however many different, but at the end, elements of all of them are integrated together and there's a kind of a resolution of all that weirdness? Yes. And that's what's really cool. So I would sort of say there's like three big sections and the the third sort of like loungy jazz bridge doesn't come back at the end. But there's like the slower tempo one and the faster tempo one. And the way that they take the melodies sort of transferring between those two sections and then bringing them all together at the end. Yeah, it's really cool. And they even like name drop the BPM, like when they're going back into the fast <laughs> part. Yeah. I think it's Jessica says like, let's bring it back to 140. And she's saying like yeah. 140 beats per minute. And it is like I checked. And that is what the tempo is. And that's like so weird. Why do they do that? <laughs> Don't stop. Let's bring it back to 140. Well, the song that I want to talk about is also a 2013 song. It's actually a Japanese release, Love and Girls. And this is, I mean, if Genie is my favorite song, then Love and Girls is also my favorite Girls' Generation song. (laughs) And I got a boy probably also. But Love and Girls, you know, nobody else has to like it. I'm not going to try to defend it. You know, Genie is objectively a great song. And if you don't like it, you're wrong. Love and Girls is just, I love it, and I don't really care what anybody else thinks. I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you also, and like sometimes I question myself. I'm like, no, I really like Love and Girls, but nobody else seems to like it. So when we, you said before the show that we were going to talk about these three songs, I was just like, oh my gosh, these are perfect. For those who haven't heard it, it's a very exuberant, upbeat song. It's got whistles in it, which is almost never a oh, good idea. Whistles. But they, it works great. And it's not like a subtle, like, BTS DNA whistle. Like, it's like a gym No, there's whistles all over the place, yeah. Um, Does it remind you guys at all of the Wonder Girls song like this? Or is that just me? You know, I could see what you mean, maybe because there's a lot of shouting. Yeah, it's got this sort of shouting. And a lot of unrestrained. Yeah, and this sort of, like almost siren-y, like, descending siren kind of feel in the vocals and... Yeah, I always like think of these songs together. I'll I'll put them back to back in a playlist. I can see that. I can see that. When this first came out, I loved it so much, and I played it for my daughter, who will sometimes listen to K-pop. And she liked it, and she liked it so much she wanted to see what the lyrics were. And after she saw the lyrics, she would refuse to ever listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> the lyrics are not, just, not not total nonsense, and. Which is funny because I looked at the credits today and there's like seven people credited for the lyrics. So they must have, I think they each chose their favorite word or something and they (laughs) just put it in the song. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'm guessing the translation didn't go the the way it was supposed to. I think that's part of it. But at the same time, the song, 
is supposed to be kind of exuberant in that way. Like the translation that I'm, I just pulled up one and like, it's all about like really sparkly, glittery, like a girl's idea of what a, the world should yeah. be. Like, and and that's what the song sounds like to me. Like when I want to go out for a girl's night out, like I want to listen to love it and girls beforehand. Cause it just makes me feel like good about being a girl. And that's what the song is about. When I decided to talk about the song, you know, I thought that I was going to have to say, obviously there's nothing musically interesting about this song. It's just kind of a fun, great song. But when I took a little bit closer look at it, I won't, I won't go into the detail of it, but the structure of it is really kind of weird. It's got two choruses and, you know, it starts out with a very short verse and the first chorus and then it kind of does that again. And then that never happens again. And then there's a breakdown and then there's a bridge and like a pre-chorusy kind of thing. And I don't know what is going on. Then they, they get to the other chorus eventually. And then by the end of the song, they bring both of the choruses together, a little bit reminiscent of I Got a Boy, yeah. bringing the, the elements together there at the end for the climax. And it actually is kind of interesting, the structure of it, at least. You were saying how, like, you think before you looked at it tonight that, like, you thought, like, there was nothing interesting. Why do you think that the three of us, and I know several other, like, music writers who are like, I know people think that it's lame, but I really like Loving Girls. And I, I've really, like, thought about this a lot. Like, it's not a song, like, I think, like, I Got a Boy or, like, Jeannie that I think everybody loves. But Loving Girls is a song that I, I think a lot of people really, really love it. Yeah, but it's just, it's just so much fun. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's just that, that we want Girls' Generation to be our cheerleaders for more, and they're just so fun. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm kind of mad at you, Tamar, because you sort of scooped me on another thing I wanted to talk about with respect to the video for that song. Sorry. Yeah, you wrote a piece today on... Now, what is today? Oh, I didn't write it today. It's Spirit Day. I wrote it, I wrote it in Pride Month, and it's today's Spirit Day. Uh, okay, right. So it's kind of a cheap music video sort of filmed at an amusement park and it's basically just girls generation dancing with a bunch of mostly girls around them who are I think part of their Japanese fan club but there are also several drag queens in that crowd and they're not real prominent in the video but they're not really hidden either you know they're like in the front row of people and one of the guys has a beard you know so they're not hiding that much and Taeyeon posted some pictures with him on Instagram and talked about how much fun it was to shoot the video with him. And it makes me think of how, especially within the context of Korea and K-pop, what a LGBTQ-friendly group Girls' Generation is. Like All Night from their latest album also has some drag queens in there. They had them also, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really subtle. Um, when All Night came out, it had been relatively short time between that and my Pride Month piece. So it was really in my mind, like, oh, this is a thing that Girls' Generation has done. Not not once, just in a song that's supposed to be about girls. So, like, I guess having drag queens as just, like, you know, like, 
Yeah, another kind of girl. They're girls too. But all night when they had them again, I was, I don't remember feeling shocked. I remember feeling proud of Girls' Generation in a way because Girls' Generation is so, if you speak to the random person in the world who doesn't know anything about Girls' Generation or Cape, um, they'll probably be like, okay, they're a girl group that have no depth or anything to them. But just, I mean, it's so subtle, but in Korea where things like drag isn't accepted and for the biggest girl group in the country to either their production team or the members ensure that there's diverse representation to some degree, like it's drag. I nearly said just drag, but it's not just drag. But by having drag queens in it, it kind of says a lot about the group in a way to me. Well, I really think it is the members because... One thing that I did notice at the time years ago is, I might mess up this pronunciation, help me out, but Hong Suk Chung, who's the celebrity who came out in like 2000 and was immediately fired from every show he was on and ended up opening restaurants. And he's kind of making a comeback. He's back on TV some now. Yeah, he's on variety shows. Yeah. But I remember seeing Jessica posting pictures with him in one of his restaurants. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if there's a message in there. And I, I looked into it, and apparently Girls' Generation is well known for being buddies with him, visiting his restaurants all the time, visiting with him, and being very supportive of him. So I don't think that's something that SM is well, behind. I mean, I think that's a genuine... I, I agree with you, except... Not except, I agree with you, but SM... I don't know if you guys saw it, but Heechul from Super Junior did a song called Sweet Dream. And that music video was quite clearly about a gay guy who fell in love with his best friend. Like, that's what the plot of the music video is. And I remember watching that a few months ago and being like, oh my gosh, this is the first time SM's ever done anything remotely LGBTQ inspired. And then when I was researching for my Pride Month piece, and of course I forgot that music video in it because I'm a scattered airhead. And when I found the Girls' Generation one, I was like, this is something that some some people, whether it's the members of the artists themselves or the production staff at SM, are subtly slipping in, in a way. And when you think of SM, I think a lot of people think of, like, cookie-cutter K-pop. But when you really think about it, SM preceded K-pop. That's why SM is SM. And so many innovations in Korea's entertainment industry have been led by SM. And so just, like... Girls' Generation doing this and a music video by like a Super Junior member doing something. Like, I just think it's so admirable. <laughs> I, I really am impressed with them. Well, like it or not, K pop goes on. If we don't get another Girls' Generation album or song, we're definitely going to get some music from these girls. Yes. Taeyon is going to put out some great albums for sure. Yes. Yeah, Taeyon and Tiffany both had like some pretty good solo stuff last year. So. We'll see. And Jessica, Scott, don't forget. Well, Jessica had some solo stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I keep on going back to Yuri because I really like what she and Soyeon did for that Pantene ad. And I think she has a, a new song coming out that's also a promotional ad. And so I'm excited for that, which is the only Girls' Generation song that I can rely on in the upcoming future. That's kind of sad. But from other groups, there's a lot going on. So that's exciting. Well, so Tamar, what has stood out to you of the, out of the recent releases? Um, so there was a lot this week that I really liked. And the song that stood out to me from B2B's new album, Brother Act. I have mixed feelings about this album as a whole, but I really liked the song Red Lie. I don't know if either of you guys got the chance to listen to it. It was this kind of 
quirky isn't the right word, but BTB took like the really emotive side and mixed it with like a soft tropical house song. And so they had all this acoustic guitar and these like percussive drop shifts that it just, I think it was really well done. And it's such a subtle and gentle song in some ways, but it's such a, a fun dance track at the same time. Like the first time I listened to it, I remember thinking like, what am I listening to here? Was that just two songs? Like there was a guitar and I was into that. And then there was dance music. I was into that too. And I'm very confused here, except it's not confusing at all. It's a ballad done in a way that would make you like the lyrics are super ballady, like about love and everything super angsty. I just remember the first time I listened to it, every time I listened to the album, I just kept stopping. And I literally was pausing my iTunes like, oh, right, I'm on this song again. I just think it's such an innovative approach to such a popular trend, but also kind of giving it a little of a soft, rocky vibe at the same time. I've definitely said on this podcast before that like B2B is is a group I always forget how much I like. And so I never like seek it out until I do. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like this group. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same. So so I definitely I I have to check out the whole album. I know you said it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but I'm sure there'll be some more good stuff in there. Yeah. Check out Guitar, which has a really good hook. That's really random. Yeah. I was wondering if I just had Tropical House on the brain or something, because it is Kind of subtle, the little tropical squiggles. It's like in the, squiggles, in the right? Song. Like, yeah. little. <laughs> and isn't there a little rap in it? Yeah. Too? And I think, okay, this is throughout the whole album. I really, I think B2B does not do rap particularly well. And I think this album kind of like threw it in in places that I didn't really appreciate it. They have this song blowing up that sounds like a Psy song done like from five years ago. Yes, exactly. And I don't think. I don't think Red Line necessarily benefited from the rap, but it does have this like really sudden like drums and then it drops into like a really mellow rap and they keep on going back to the rappers popping up in between these really angst riddled vocals. And I just think it's kind of funny, but it it works. It works really well. And I still like listening to it. But I think the song might have done better without the raps. But I'm not going to criticize the seven member group that needs to give everybody some vocals. But yeah, what about you guys? So I had a hard time choosing two. I've got to say, I really love Mask's song and Taman's album is great too, but I just don't have as much to say about those as I do about, surprisingly to everybody, Luna's latest release. Surprise! No, we were never <laughs> <being> surprised. <laughs> those are great songs, but Luna... I mean, seriously, you guys are going to have to restrain me because there's so much that could be said about this song. It's so cool how they weave in all of these symbols and even choreography and lyrics from the other releases by the individual members. But anyway, maybe I should start at the beginning. This is Luna Odd Eye Circle subunit, which is... (laughs) Although I I will say, I'm glad they didn't just go like Luna two-thirds. Like, you know, because the first <laughs> subgroup was one third. 
But yeah, geez, Odd Eye Circle is a weird Odd Eye Circle. And actually, since you brought it up, Odd, all capitalized, is a reference to three moons, one of which is a full moon and two of which are not. So okay, just as an example of the depth of this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this undertaking. Then they should stylize it that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm too into K-pop. I'm like, flip the D of one of them. Yeah. Luna has stylized enough stuff. You can't even look. You can't do searches for them because they're not using real ends. And, yeah. You know. so <laughs> it is. It is. So I'm just going to pick one thing out of the music. It's such a good song. An element of the song that really stands out to me and that I really like is the synth that you hear it throughout the song, but it's most prominent in the introduction. And then also coming out of the bridge, it's almost like a pre-chorus. It sort of builds up a little bit. You know, it adds kind of a rhythmic element. It's very high tempo. It adds a lot of energy. It's also a catchy melody. You know, it made me think of Taeyeon's Hands on Me, where there's a really fast piano part. Yeah. And with these synths, you can almost imagine somebody just tearing up the keyboard. But I don't think that's what's really happening. I think that what it is is somebody playing actually a very slow melody, and then the notes are cut up so that they sound very clipped and high tempo it's processed to create that effect that's so yeah you know that's, that's so many different elements to that's 100 percent what it is yeah okay again whenever i notice something i think it's like the first time it's ever happened i'm sure that's something that people do but yeah but it is really cool it is cool yeah the video also is cool and like i said it has so many different elements to it that you could talk about but i just want to pick out one thing that I really thought was neat. And there's this, you know, Luna is all about eclipses and the moon and circles and all this sort of thing. And one of the motifs in this video is recursion, you know, where something starts somewhere and it comes around and back to the beginning again. Like if you're drawing a circle, I don't think that's actually recursion, but a similar idea that you come back again to the beginning. So the video starts out with Kim Lip, who was the first of these members to be introduced, starting a tape recorder, which, by the way, I've seen more tape recorders in K-pop videos than <laughs> I think I saw throughout the whole 1980s. <laughs> so she starts a tape recorder, and then you see somebody is looking at her, kind of peeking around the corner at her. So later on in the song, there's a scene where Jin Soul reaches out to somebody who's standing in front of her that you can't really see to tap her on the shoulder. And a hand comes from behind her and taps her on the shoulder. So she's sort of tapping herself on the shoulder. And that's this recursion idea. You know, she's, she is tapping herself and she's back where she started again. Uh, and there's a similar thing right after that where Choiri throws a paper airplane. And again, she's just standing in the middle of the frame, throws it to the right side of the frame, and it comes through the left side of the frame and hits her in the back. Right? The same kind of thing. And you get to the end of the video and you see Kim Lip is looking at herself from behind that corner, you know, the very first scene of the video. And we're back not only to the start of the video, but she is coming up behind herself. And right after that, of course, you get back to the 
tape recorder, which reaches the end and stops and then starts going back the other way. So there's all of these references to this idea of recursion. There's just so much of that in this video and in this whole Luniverse concept that they're, you know, there's stuff with colors and with the animals and they've got the map and, you know, it's... I really uh, feel dumb listening to you speak about Luna and when I read Joe Palmer's pieces on Luna, like, I just, I'm just like, I'm not intelligent enough for this girl group. And oh, I'm so lost. It's unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> I noticed that one thing, but there is so much that just, There's I have so no I'm, concept of what's going on. I want to like steal the brain of their marketing team or whoever is in charge of all their lives. It's amazing. You know, sometimes people do it. They have a concept like we have to do a song about this. And that's so hard to do and do well. You know, they did this song. They incorporated lyrics from other songs. They incorporate, you know, ideas and themes. And it's it has all that crazy stuff in it, but it's still a great song. And it's a great video, too. Yeah, definitely like most ambitious group in uh not just k-pop just like in general luna luna is crazy they are crazy yeah um okay so when we did a very similar episode like this about the wonder girls breaking up we talked about yenny and her solo project hot felt um and and we we were curious whether she would be able to keep that name and the answer is yes because she just released new music under that name. And her first album was called Me, uh, with a question mark. And this one is called Mine, except it's spelled in German. And there are these two title tracks to go along with it, I Wander and Read Me. And the music videos are sort of like a complimentary story. It's this old German man, the, the first one, I Wander, he's, you know wandering around his german city sort of looking for his wife who we assume is deceased and then you know yenny is in there doing weird stuff then in read me you see him with his wife and there's sort of these weird flashbacks when they were younger and there's this cool dancing and you know she just like on her first album too she just does interesting artistic things and she's not the best vocalist but these songs are like interesting and they do kind of a obviously very different sound from anything that the wonder girls released and when she did her first album me it was very different than anything anyone was doing in k-pop just the the sort of sound of it was very unique and this is kind of interesting this sounds similar to some of the stuff she did on that album but i think k-pop has moved a lot in the past few years where this doesn't sound as like oh wow this doesn't sound like anything going on in k-pop because it does sort of fit into some stuff but i think they're both good songs they're not the best songs, but they're still very interesting. And especially the music videos. I think the, the music videos are, are maybe better than the songs. But I like that she's still committed to doing sort of riskier artistic things with her solo project. 
and uh, I'm excited she's back. They're just so sad. Yeah, but you know, I mean, like, I, did, uh, I don't even want to go look up the lyrics because I don't want to know what <laughs> was. You know, I can tell enough from the music videos. Right, right, right. I really liked Hatfeld's previous release, so I was excited, but I didn't. I guess I've switched over to Sun Me because I really like Gashina and I. Did. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I actually was not around when the mine album was released, so I actually haven't watched the music videos. I just listened to the songs a few times, and I didn't really. I wasn't. I wasn't wowed by them. They were. Oh like, yeah. Maybe I'll watch the music videos and and hopefully I'll appreciate them a bit more. Yeah, I do think, especially you know, back to back, it definitely kind of gives it some more context. Yeah, she's great. I was uh, hoping for something a little more like her first solo project. You know, this is very artistic in some ways that are similar to that, but I think maybe musically not as adventurous. Yeah, well, these are both more relaxed, chill tracks. (laughs) I wouldn't have minded to have like one of the title tracks be a banger, but it it sort of makes sense with the melancholic story she's trying to tell here. Well, I think it's very kind of JYP to allow her to keep that name because it's a very valuable property. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm sorry. Thanks so much for joining us, Scott. It's nice to have you back on the podcast. Oh, man, it, it's been so fun. I'm glad I could come back. I'll have to do it again sometime. Time soon. If, if you'll have me. If, you'll have uh, me. if you ask nicely enough, maybe. maybe. Okay. I mean, Hotfeld's uh, got to come out with a new album sometime, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Scott, where can people interact with you on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Scott Interante. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-A-N-T-E. I'll try to get back more into talking about K-pop, but to be honest, right now, a lot of it is just me talking about Riverdale. So, And Stephen, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at Tennessee Appeal. And I'm at Tamar Writes. And of course, you can follow the podcast and cult scene, both at cult scene and at K-pop Unmuted. They are two separate handles. So please make sure to follow them both because we love talking about K-pop on both of those handles all the time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of K-pop Unmuted. We hope you join us again for the next time. <laughs>